The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This week on Dueling Review, it is Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one, of which the Mighty Thor does not... Well, he appears once, I guess, at the very end of the issue. But It's part uh, one of six, though. So. It is part one of six. So uh, there may be, coming up next month, a Thor Love and Thunder movie that happens to have a Jane Foster as a Mighty Thor. Mm-hmm. Looking very much like we see on the cover of this this week's comic. So there may be some synergy being tied into this. Well, there certainly is. Uh, in this, though, this is not the first time that uh, Jane Foster becomes the Mighty Thor. This is well after the third time she's become Thor, and now she's a Valkyrie. <laughs> she's also, what else is she? She's something else besides a Valkyrie. Uh, she's an Avenger. Uh, um, well, but there's something else that they said in the opening pages of the book. I don't have it open here in front of me, but they said that she's this, and she's also a Valkyrie and an Avenger and... um something else but uh and a doctor um oh she's something for asgard she's the she's the mortician of asgard or something like that she's um, a mortician on earth that's what she does now she's uh yeah she works as a mortician uh on midgard and then a valkyrie so that she's basically closer to the people yeah, when so they die she's so closer she can, to death yeah she kind of whisks right, them away to the, the afterlife. afterlife yeah uh so they stop a uh terrorist plot in uh in central park and then mm-hmm. Jane's hanging out with her talking horse. She's got one mm-hmm. of those. His name uh, is Mr. Horse. A uh, Thor's hammer comes crashing in and she's like, "Uh oh, this must mean that Thor is dead. And she picks it up and she becomes the mighty Thor for a second. And she's like, nope, can't do this. Uh, I'm going to push the power down and I will just be Valkyrie. And the hammer will talk to me. And it is in the voice of Odin. And so this is going to be a, a team up. The, the, new, the new rookie and the old timer teaming up to go hunt down Thor and find out where he is. Uh, I kind of <laughs> like that buddy cop team up thing that they have. I knew you were going to say it. I was waiting for you. Well, to because that's what it is. I mean, that's what it is. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, and of course there's somebody moving around in the wings, trying to bring all of the enemies to attack Asgard together. Uh, and that somebody is working with a more of the enchantress, although we don't know who that somebody is. And then, you know, they brought in Ulick the Troll and Curse of the Elves and all of these other schmucks. And Hela said no. Of She's course, like, Hela no. Oh, Hela said nope. Hela's in no way interested. Uh, which is good, because I think having Hela in here would just completely imbalance everything. But, yeah, while that's going on in Asgard, Jane is trying to figure out what's going on with Thor. And the other Valkyrie, um, what is her name, Nula? I can't remember her She name. goes on a date. She goes on a date, and then a horse interrupts it. That's Mr. Horse today, lass. Mr. Horse cracks me up. I feel like Mr. Horse is the breakout character of 2021 for me. Mr. Horse. You think that You think Mr. Horse and Beta Ray Bill ever, like, give each other the long face? 
You think that there's some jealousy between the two? I bet there is. Possibly. I bet there is. You know, I don't. He's an alien. He's an alien, and and you're, sometimes you're an alien. Uh, I will say though that I'm very disappointed in uh, Beta Ray Bill's raiment. I don't like the armor that he's wearing in this issue, just because. That original Simonson design is just so wonderful and so perfect, and this one feels imbalanced. But. Well, no, I th- so I don't have a problem with it, mainly because, as this issue clearly points out, everybody has a different role. You know, Sif is the guardian of the the Rainbow Bridge. Because um, mm-hmm. uh, Heimdall passed away, right? And Jane has her own thing. Uh, Odin is gone, so you know Thor is is the king. So with mm-hmm. everybody having a different role, it makes sense that they would have a costume change associated with their specific role. So that does not bother me in the least. Uh, I think the thing that is going to bother a lot of people, especially if they're coming into this series because of synergy, is they're going to have some problems figuring out what, you know, why everybody is in these new roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think is going to be yeah. the biggest thing. But uh, it's it's spelled out fairly easily. I mean, I haven't read Thor in a couple of years now, and it was mm-hmm. very easy to just step into this series and know what's going on. I think the solicitation, if I was going to say one thing that irritated me is the solicitation where it's like she fears the worst has happened to Thor. Uh, that's like one panel where she's like, oh, no, something has happened to Thor. And then Sif is like, <laughs> uh, can you sense Thor being dead? And she uses her Valkyrie powers. And she's like, no, he's not dead. And that's it. And she's like, okay. She picks up the hammer and then Odin is like, come with me, young rookie. We must find thine son. Well, my loins. Anthony Hopkins in this, don't say loins. In this reality. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I agree with you. This does pick up pretty simply and easily from pretty much anywhere in the last four or five years of Thor. Mm -hmm. Because all of the things that have built up to this, if you look at Mjolnir, you see how Mjolnir was shattered and rebuilt. Yeah. That's, you know, that's from when he smashed it. And of course, Jane's time as Thor was during the point in time when, you know, Thor was off doing his whole thing. It's, I mean, it's nice to have that kind of mythology built to where you can just kind of plug into it. And I feel like it's all building off of what Jason Aaron did on his run. But I also read through this book and felt like, is this a Jason Aaron book? No, I didn't really check the credits. Yeah. And Torin Bronbeck, I mean, they're a they're a good writer. I, I believe Torin may be a woman, but I don't know. But it felt like uh, because we see Roz Solomon, uh, agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., who's now an agent of Wakanda, who is one of Jason Aaron's, I don't want to say pet characters, but one of Jason Aaron's recurring characters. And of course, we have Runya the Valkyrie, the, the Valkyrie who's based on Tessa Thompson, so, you know, we do have a lot. And, of course, we tie into Jane being an Avenger. She just joined the Avengers, and Jason Aaron is the the writer of that book. So when I went through this, I was like, huh, this actually feels like Jason Aaron coming back to familiar turf and doing something new and interesting with it. And on the one hand, I can see how that may sound, you know, insulting to Torin Grunbeck, but also I feel like that's that's kind of high praise for me because I'm a, I'm an Aaron fan. I like what he does with Thor. I like what he does with concepts throughout the Marvel universe and, you know, picking this up and going, Hey, this kind of, you know, runs naturally out of all of these other issues, but it does feel like something new and something well, different. Yeah. And also 
There's a horse in Oklahoma. I, I was going to say that, you know, if it feels like an Aaron story or whatever, it feels like this, this, and this, or they're keeping a lot of continuity going through these series. Uh, to me, mm-hmm. that's, that is not a, oh, this writer is trying to, you know, play off of this writer or whatever, this creator. Actually, I think that's the, that's the mark of a really good editor, uh, an editor mm-hmm. in a book who is like, yes, you can do this or no, don't do this. So whoever is the, the story group editor for Thor, uh, that's a person I think you should be really giving some praise to if they're able to bridge things from somebody else's run and this run and make it feel consistent. Uh, to me, that's a mark of a of a good editor right there. So. I think it's Will Moss who handles the Thor properties. Yeah, uh, Moss actually handles this one. Yeah, but Will Moss and then. Uh, so there you go. But, Will Moss. Yeah. Good job. Well done. And, you know, uh, just picking this up and reading this, it nicely kind of spun out of things that I knew because obviously we see Gila here and this is a Gila based on, you know, the Kate, the Kate Blanchett Gila from the movies, but also there's a lot of Kirby in there. You know, this is that Kirby design that went nuts. And of course we see the tear uh, being weird and creepy about his half brother, which is not exactly in keeping with North myth, but is in keeping with, you know, the, the Simonson and Stan Lee takes. And I really like how this ties together different parts of that weird sprawling Asgardian mythos, even though it does, you know, I, I feel like over the last few years, we've officially just embraced the, the movie theme of these aren't actually gods at all. They're just, you know, these weird aliens from another place who seem like gods to us mere mortals. And yeah, because they you know, have technology fine, far but, beyond our understanding and comprehension. I like magic myself. And I think I think if I understand that last panel with Thor, I think he's trapped in the Chamber of Secrets under Hogwarts. No, I don't think so. Did you uh, see? Cause, yeah, because uh, that's that. Uh, it's that there. Uh, that's not, that's not a basilisk. That, uh, that's yeah, that basilisk that no. uh, Draco if, Malfoy if anything, around. If anything, this feels like an homage to a Conan the Barbarian uh, cover uh, from could be ages ago. Uh, is how I. I'm feel. actually presuming that that's Yggdrasil, the World Serpent. But yeah, could be. I mean, he is under probably under the World Tree. But yeah, it felt very much like something I would see on a on a Conan cover, which does bring us around to the art. I think mm-hmm. the art itself is very good. I think it's very solid. Um, I'm so I understand that when you pick up the hammer of Thor, when you utter the magic words and you become a Hulk or when you, uh, you know, you say stretchy arms go and you become a Mr. Fantastic kind of thing. I understand that you're going to have some facial features uh, or a look on your body that may change. I actually think the Jane Foster change into Valkyrie is a little bit too harsh. In that the facial features don't quite look the same when she is Valkyrie as she does when she is uh, when she's just Jane Foster. And so in the Mm -hmm. beginning of the issue, uh, again, everyone who's coming into this from the Love and Thunder synergies uh, go, Mm -hmm. oh, okay, uh, look, there's Jane Foster on the cover with blonde hair and everything. And doesn't she look good? Now she got black hair in here. And so uh, it may take you a minute to go, oh, this is who they're talking about. Oh, okay. That makes perfect sense. Um, but I can understand, you know, you don't want to have the same color as your, as your uh, secret identity. Cause that'll, that'll give you away way too easily. Um, oh, it's but, magic too. but art art wise, I thought the art was fine. 
the coloring, and usually I do. T- I like to talk about the coloring. Mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of this particular style of digital coloring. It's I think very, that if very annoying. I think when you're starting to do uh, like skin transitions or things like that, uh, where you're trying to convey shadows and stuff, the shadows themselves, I think, are, are, are a little bit overly light for a scene that any particular person is in. And the second thing is the there are times where the skin coloration looks right. And then there's other times where it's just like, oh, somebody just put a uh, gradient filter on here and just went whoosh uh, because <laughs> there are times where this is. The gradients are super annoying to me in this issue. And I don't, I, I, overall, the coloring is generally fine, but you can really tell that this is a computer generated gradient filter stuff. And I'm just not, I'm just not down for that. Uh, I'm not saying that this is a failed coloring attempt, but I will say that it is something that I would give it a very mid to, yeah, I would give a very mid score. I am not a fan of it either. And part of that is um, the sequence throughout uh, at the beginning when we're in Central Park mm-hmm. is I think it's supposed to be like late afternoon. And so there's like, you know, the orange light kind of sliding in from the, the east or whatever. But it's so hypersaturated and it's so frustrating to me because we'll go from scene to scene or panel to panel and shot to shot. And I'm like, I understand that sometimes my oranges and my blues aren't the same as a, as a, as a person. But when you have this weird orange to yellow gradient (laughs) with big purple dots in the middle, and then, you know, it it doesn't feel motivated. It feels like it's just, well, on the one hand, pretty I'm coloring mom. Yeah. On the one hand, the uh, top, on the one hand, the, uh, the gradient, the overlay with the purple skulls, that's, Mm -hmm. Jane Foster finding out who's going to die in the next couple of minutes. So that's, that's uh, foster right. vision right there. But if foster you want to see something that is rather peculiar is do look at the angle of the lights in this. If it is supposed to be late afternoon, uh, there are scenes where they're jumping off buildings and it's like, Oh, see those stars in the, in the background. And then the very like next page uh, it's clear <sighs> that the sun is still coming from like the two o'clock position, four o'clock position. And it's like, okay, right. this is, this is really, really weird, but, uh, you know, whatever. I'm just not a, there's, I'm just not a fan of the coloring in this issue. There's actually two moments where I feel like the coloring is glorious and beautiful and it actually gets kind of muted and, and, and buried because there's a scene where Jane goes full Valkyrie for a woman who passed away yeah. and you see the light open behind mm-hmm. her. And you yeah, know, that's a really cool. Val- panel. Yes. It is. And Mr. Horse is flying down. And I'm just like, that's gorgeous. And then there's a yes. scene where Sif slams down her sword yes, on, the on the rainbow bridge. bridge. Yes. That's also yeah, a very good one. And the Bifrost just goes. And yeah, it's beautiful. That's a, that's a good panel. I would also say that the wide shot of Midgard or not Midgard, um, Asgard, Asgard. Uh, when Sif and Beta Ray Bill are looking over the land, that one looks mm-hmm. really cool, too. From the from the coloring perspective, and then the one panel yeah. where uh, Jane turns into the mighty Thor uh, for the moment for that panel, the coloring in that yeah, is really good too. too. And I like the the electrical effects that are put in there. But we look at like mm-hmm. just the dinner conversation between the two characters as they're on their date is just like just yeah. so it's unappealing over, to me. It's over rendered. It's it's honestly it 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 calls attention to itself and. I feel like on the one hand, you know, hey, talented colorist, because yeah, yeah, some yeah, of yeah. The, you're right that that pan, that page actually 
of Jane as Thor where the background goes completely black and the, and the lightning, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. And those moments that work, work really well, but because the moments that should be quieter, the moments that should be less saturated, for lack of a better word, to give those moments their real pop are high enough that the pop doesn't feel like so much of a pop. It yeah. feels like, you know, this is another thing in an issue that's really, really bright. And I don't know. I, I, well, I'm, I'm I think part it. of the part of the problem that I have with the coloring, especially because it's computer generated coloring, is yeah the blacks. Like when we look on the final page where Thor is uh, being uh, attacked by the serpent, um, yeah, and 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 the same way with a lot of the blacks in this issue, that feels like those are actually inked blacks, even though I know they're probably not. Uh, right. And then you're doing computer coloring on top of that. It just looks. It looks off to me. It's, it's a style that I don't yeah. like. It's a style that when I talk about um, a dynamite entertainment house style, a little bit They're of contrasty yeah. stuff is very much like what we see in this last panel. And I'm not a super fan of that. So if I were to yeah. say on a scale of one to 10, where does the coloring fall in this? To me, it falls at a five, five and a half, six tops uh, for the yeah. coloring uh, from the rest of the art story. I dig the art. I think the art is really cool. I think composition is, is really neat. I think some of the things that they're doing with um, Foster Vision is is very interesting. It's again, I've not read any of the other Thor series, so this is a new thing to me. I think is is very cool. Uh, I don't know what's going on with the explodey guy in the park. I think that's pretty cool. Um, so from the art side, I think that stuff looks really really cool. From the story mm-hmm. side, I think uh, Teron has done a fantastic job in this. I really enjoyed this story. I was engaged from you know, page one where we're seeing the dark elves being recruited to uh, attack Asgard. I think that that is really, really neat. And then when we get the buddy cop of, come on, kid, we're going to go find my son. uh, I think that's all very cool. But dot, 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 there's always a, but here, whenever I start praising things, Uh, whenever you're involved, there is a, but when, yes. And it's usually called Matthew. Uh, When we get to the end and it says next issue, when Jane and Odin find a clue steeped in the unknown magic, they turn to Dr. Voodoo uh, for help finding Thor, which fine, not a problem. I don't have a problem with that. It sounds kind of cool. Except that uh, Moon Girl is missing her devil dinosaur. And so she's going through the Marvel Universe and teaming up with Wolverine and Spider-Man and all these other people, the, uh, the Eternals, to get her devil dinosaur back. And there's a Miles Morales is also doing a thing where he is teaming up with a bunch of other heroes as well for some grand quest mm-hmm. thing. And if it was just moon girl and Wolverine and moon girl and miles Morales or moon girl and whoever doing whatever to get her dinosaur back, that would be fine. And then if the next quarter they did something like that again, that would probably be fine. But to me, and again, I don't know what's going on past this. Um, but to me, it feels like Marvel is trying to take the same formula of, X meets this on an ongoing quest story. They did the same thing with uh, Captain America not too long ago with the uh, uh, trying to find the shields. And so they met all the Captain Americas of many nations kind of thing that they did. Uh, it also mm-hmm. feels very much like that as well. And I, 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 when I start to see something that feels formulaic as far as an execution uh, in a Jane needs to team up with so-and-so and go find a next clue to find Thor and then you see the same thing with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur. It just feels kind of, I don't know, uh, story mill kind of stuff. And that mm. doesn't that doesn't sit well with me. So I'm I'm very interested to see where this story goes. 
But if it's going to be issue three, uh, Jane and Odin uh, have figured out where Thor is. But in order to get there, Jane must team up with, uh, I don't know, Wolverine. Then I'll be like, okay, then I'm going to be a little disappointed in the series. But from the first issue, really enjoyed this first issue a lot. Honestly, I I would love to see that thing that you just said you didn't want because I I, I yeah, cut my teeth on Marvel team up. And well, the if they want to do I a Marvel really team great, up, call it Marvel team ups. Yeah, but I mean, you can do it throughout the universe. Why would you have to have one central book or like a Brave and the Bold? I feel like the team ups in a shared universe really adds some verisimilitude to it. I feel like it adds depth to it. So. You know, if we're going to see Jane crossing the Marvel Universe, teaming up with Texas Twister and Captain Ultra and, I don't know, Dr. Bong, I'm utterly down with that. But then you also have to remember, I am firmly within that 50,000 population that you like to say, well, those 50,000 aren't as important as the 4 million people who saw the movie. And you're right up to a point. But you also, you know, you look at these comics and you look at, what is Marvel trying to do when they do these team-ups and crossovers? And I feel like the classic Spider-Man Marvel team-up or the Batman Brave and the Bold was kind of a way to bring a lesser-known character to the forefront by adding in, you know, a little spoonful of sugar in the form of Spider-Man. And right. if, if everybody's going to go to the movies next month and see Thor Love and Thunder... Or whenever it comes out, God only knows. Next month. I don't pay attention to these dates. And they go and they see that and they're like, I want to go read some comics. And they go and they pick up a comic. It's like, here's Jane Foster, the mighty Thor. And she's all teaming up with, uh, I don't know, the, the Guardians well, we of know the next, Galaxy. We know next month it's going to be um, uh, Dr. Voodoo. So that will be Dr. the Voodoo. issue that's on the store, on the shelves when... Uh, Thor Love and Thunder hits hits the comic. And uh, then, the then we'll have our live-action Dr. Voodoo comic that I've been waiting for for years. A live-action yeah. Dr. Voodoo comic. Okay, yes. Yeah. Okay, so here's the thing. I don't disagree with you that having a team-up book is bad. I think that can be a lot of fun, right? Mm-hmm. I think when you do have a Batman the Brave and the Bold, you've got something that you can work with. But it was Batman Brave and the Bold. It wasn't also, at the same time, Superman the Brave and the Bold, Wonder Woman Brave and the Bold, Green Lantern, Brave and the Bold. It wasn't that kind of stuff. Uh, you know, three different titles of that month after month. It was Batman as the lead teaming into these other things. And so by itself, Batman Brave and the Bold is a great uh, a great idea. And I don't have anything wrong with that. Just like I said, I don't have a problem with Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur teaming up. Uh, Moon Girl teaming up with everybody to go track down her dinosaur. I think that's a great idea. That's a great, a great thing. The problem is when you've got it feels like four books now. Well, three for sure, uh, or two for sure, and one possibly coming up in in the form of uh, in this book. That just feels like oh, we've got a formula that we think we're going to spill out across all of our all of our titles in some way, shape, or form, or all of our editorial groups some way, shape, or form. That then feels like you're just not. It feels like you're not trying hard enough. Does that make sense? It feels yeah, like you could get- be doing something wrong. Well, could it this feel, be, yeah, it feels like they could do something. They could do different things and have more approaches and yes. not do the same thing across yes. the entire line. I'll, yes. I, I'll buy that. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Yeah. So here's the thing. Jane Foster and the Mighty Thor number one. I went into this going, I don't know if this is going to be cool or not. Uh, this feels so much like they're trying to 
prep everybody for the movie or get the, the, the moviegoers ready to buy this comic book. And certainly the cover leads you to believe that exact same thing. Um, Thor barely appears in this book. Number one, right. uh, Jane Foster as Thor barely appears in this book. Uh, so that may be off putting to, to new readers, but I think this is a fantastic story. I think that there is a grand adventure. And for me personally, whenever I see or read a Thor comic, it feels bigger and more epic than any other Marvel title. Even though Avengers has every Marvel character in it. Anytime I pick up a Thor book and I read it, whether it be Beta Ray Bill, whether it be Thor, whether it be Jane Foster as Thor, whether it be, you know, whatever, uh, Himdall, uh, the mighty adventures of Himdall. Um, <laughs> they all feel like they, that this is an epic scale story and I'm totally down for it. And this book really delivered an epic feeling story that I really enjoyed. And I would say, uh, for people to go and check this out. Uh, I, I thought this was a fun book. I thought it was well executed. I thought the art was fine. The, the coloring is the only thing that put me off a little bit. Uh, but everything else is I want to read, uh, the next four issues of this, of this five issue miniseries. Matthew, what's your final thought? I definitely want to read the rest of this book, uh, partly because Runya cracks me up. And I really think, you know, more people should be in comics and in the universe just look like Tessa Thompson, but more importantly, even if I came in just looking for some Tessa Thompson, this book hooked me in about three different ways. And I feel like the art and the strength of the story overcome my complaints about the coloring. Mm -hmm. And I honestly feel like I, you know, it, Hey, I want Dr. Voodoo. I want, uh, I want to see her team up with blue streak. And I want to see her team up with devil dinosaur and the black cat and, uh, Irving Berlin by the time this is done. So one other final thing that may be off putting to some people and you know who you are and, and I don't, think highly of you but yeah. um there's a moment during the date where the old waitress comes over and is like oh you know do you know what you want to order blah 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 and they're having their date question stuff and then the old waitress goes to the counter and the old cook is there and she's like ah young love and he's like ain't it something which is just a throwaway panel but it says so much about how people can be accepting of uh lgbtqa uh, community in in that way right even old people who you think are always stuck in their ways and i thought that that was probably the the sweetest nicest panel in the whole issue but i know that there's going to be a lot of people that are just like okay believe they put it in there those are people i don't want to hear from so there you go uh but i but i thought that was very very nice what are we going to review next week on dueling review well it's up to you head over to our patreon page patreon.com slash major spoilers Cast your vote in this week's poll to let us know what we're going to review. The one that gets the most votes by the end of the day on Saturday, first thing Sunday morning, we'll go into the read pile and we'll be back next week to talk about that comic. In the meantime, there are hundreds of thousands, probably uh, hundreds of thousands of other comics that also came out this week. I'm sure there's something out there just for you. So get out there and read some comics. This podcast is copyright 2022 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.